Welcome back to another episode of Discovery Call. I am Danny Hamlet, your host, and I am so excited that you are here today because I just have a ton of fun lifting up fellow business owners and all that they do so that we can learn together. And today you're going to meet Kevin. And Kevin is a strategic human capital consultant. What does that mean? Basically, he is part of an HR revolution. And I am just so excited for you to really just see what he does, what he's all about. And you're going to be nodding your head quite a bit throughout this episode. So without further ado, let's get to know Kevin. Welcome to Discovery Call Podcast, where we are all about connecting business owners with their next person to meet their outsourcing needs. Business owners, I know it can be hard to find that right person when you are ready to outsource your business. So come here, listen in a Discovery Call, get to know someone, and find your next person even faster. But service providers, this podcast is for you too. We get to cheer each other on, learn from each other, and honestly, grow our network even more. So everyone tune in because I know you are ready to finally level up your business and this is the place that will help you do so. All right. Well, hey, Kevin, welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about you, what you're all about and what you do? Wow. Loaded, loaded question, especially here in early 2022. Um, I'm still, still um, keeping to those New Year's resolutions. So that's a bonus. (laughs) No, my name is Kevin Russ. To say I work as a strategic human capital consultant, um, obsessed with kind of the future of work. What are we doing for work? Uh, the uh, the relationship of between uh, the individual and what work really means to them. But I have a degree in biology, so I, I've worked my way through sales my entire life, and I think that degree in biology kind of keeps one thing in focus, and that's science, and that's data, and that's building trust or, or, and truth through transparency. But I'm just excited to be here as a conversation with you, Danielle, and, and, and obviously this learning experience that we'll have, but um, really excited to be here and just uh, have a chat. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. My sister was a biology major, so I'm like, huh, that's awesome. That's yeah, really cool. <laughs> yeah. Is she using it to any any sort of degree at, at all? Or Yeah, really? she's working on, I think, um, she's working on her second degree right now and she actually works in Pfizer at this current oh my time. God. So yeah. yeah. Well, she's yeah. actually using it. So I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. I went to sales. Yeah. <laughs> hey, the science of sales, you are just a master yeah. of that. You know, we need you everywhere. So <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess that's the way to look at Yeah, That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think I tell that to people like, you know, in college, you just don't know what you're going to do with what you got, but you just, start and just go. So I, I, my buddies and I were just reflecting on that the other day and just were, were thinking like, what did you we actually get out of college? And I, I came up with time management. And I think that was like the best, the best lesson that I learned during college was definitely time management. <laughs> it is so true. I remember I had to write three papers in like three days and it was just game on. So yeah, yeah. it's, you, you learn how to figure it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Resilience. Yeah. <laughs> So for what you do, so you, you work with HR and I kind of want to pull this out a little bit because I think when people often hear HR, so they think of two things when you get a job and you're onboarding yep, and then when something's wrong is happening and you're lamenting with your employees and they say, you need to tell HR about that. Oh yeah. It's like, I think those are the two things. And I'm like, there's so much more to this. Yeah. Those were my two views before I actually got into HR as well, Danielle. So don't, don't feel alarmed. It was. It was definitely like the no fun police, right? The the no sayers. Every time you went to HR, they would just tell you no. 
And then the other thing is like, you, you knew if HR was around your desk in one of my other organizations that you were probably in trouble. So that was the other thing. So yeah, usually our, our, our view of HR is on, on, on typically the negative side <laughs> for, for most. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of blossomed into, if you ask really anybody in HR, uh, friends and I joke about this quite often as well, is if you ask them, why'd you, how did you get into HR? Most people say, I tripped into it. I fell into it. Um, wasn't my first choice. Um, of these types of answers are typically what, what people will tell you is how they got into HR. And I had a very similar experience. Like I shared with you, I was, I was uh, a biology major. I was selling copiers um, for a long time. And then I started working for one of the most well-known payroll companies in the, in the world is ADP. And this is really where I started to become infatuated with actually the people behind the work. And uh, you, you really get to feel, I guess, that culture your, your purpose, your passion, all these terms that we were hearing during the pandemic, I was not any different. I was having these same experiences myself. Um, what I learned the most, Danielle, was during the pandemic was even being in sales, is it's hard in sales to not put your worth into your job, right? I mean, you're told you're as valuable as the deal that you bring in. And that's a really a real mindset that you live in day in, day out. And if you're not doing your job, then you're treated like they don't even know you. They don't want to know you. It's like, yeah, you you were the guy last month, but here's Tony this month. You know, you get to see kind of that that ugly, ugly side of human capital. And I just got started obsessed with the word why. And then I found people analytics and, and really started to, to open my eyes to really what's in, right in front of us that we experience every day, COVID or not. We were still experiencing these things. So it's, it's HR can be sexy. It can be fun. I talk about it being a profit center within an organization when, when HR kind of gets out of their own way, right. And really starts building back these relationships because they have to, our, we had negative connotations of HR, Danielle, we're not alone. I would say a majority of employees typically do, but how does HR going to rebuild those relationships so they can really bring more understanding and compassion and empathy and all these other team, things that we saw during the pandemic. Um, to become that employer of choice or that culture of choice, if you will. So I'm excited to be here and talk to you a little bit about HR because nobody thinks about it really. <laughs> right. Well, I kind of feel like if you have a good work culture, you don't think about HR. Correct. And if it's not a good workout culture, you just yell at HR, right? So oh, it's kind of, yes. It's like I either you're either ignored when you're doing a great job or you have too much attention when people are grumpy. So it's kind of exactly. I really like just kind of bring this conversation to light and kind of like, okay, let's let's just talk about it for what it is. And yeah. it's a really important part of any business. So yeah, yeah. more more so today, I would say that. We, uh, employers were having the challenges before the pandemic too, right? I mean, we saw unemployment rates at, at their lowest ever. This is when competition started to heat up for talent. And then you throw gasoline, kerosene, and, and, and some TNT on it through with, with, with the pandemic and everybody kind of taking that social pause as a whole collectively. That's pretty powerful. Um, it's, it's mass trauma. So we all kind of experience mass trauma together and to see how humans are going to like utilize that experience to their advantage or disadvantage. We've, we've seen some kind of rise to the expectations and grow from it. And we've seen other kind of carry out the other way, but how are we going to, it's, it's, it's comforting just now here that things like mental health is, is something that employers are even talking about, right? I mean, that was something that they would have said, what are you talking about? We don't talk about how about our feelings in the office. Like, 
go over there, Sally. Like it's pretty, pretty <laughs> impressive that over 10 years of my existence in the working world that now we're talking about mental health. We're talking about work-life balance or blends. It's, it's pretty cool to see because I saw the, the, the total opposite when I first joined the working world. Yes. And I, and I feel like um, you're kind of stepping into this probably right with this transitional period and what a great time to kind of start reframing the conversation. And people are actually, you know, listening to you probably even more because it's just been harder probably to get people to get involved with the workforce in some way. So yeah, it has, that part has been cool. What I noticed most about the working world is that there's a lot of opinions, right? There's a lot of oh, this is the best way to do it. Well, why? Well, it's the only way we've ever done it. So that makes it the best way, right? Like you start to, you realize the hypocrisies, right? That of, of, of really like it, a lot of it's just gut instinct and intuition that's driving business decisions. I mean, you talk to anybody in business and there's been somebody in a leadership role that you probably are not the most impressed with, right? And you're like, how the heck did this person get this job? And then that's the problem where I started getting obsessed was like, how do these people get these? Like, it was so hard for me to get a job when I got a job that I actually had to provide proof that I was like good at the, these types of areas or these skill sets. How did that person make it? You know, and then that's kind of some of the questions that we start asking ourselves. And then you find yourself really seeing the generational differences, the, the experiences that they had in their own history and how that kind of shapes their, their views on work. Um, but a lot of perceptions, you know, and a lot of, um, and that's where I love data because data kind of built transparency and builds trust quick because it shows proof, right? I can't just say that I'm the best uh, salesman in the entire world, right? I have to show numbers in order to show that I am the best salesperson in the world, right? Numbers prove things. Um, I'm all about proof. And that's really, I think, kind of where we, some of these businesses land themselves in such challenging positions, Danielle, is that they are using their gut instinct and intuition too often instead of kind of their North Star guiding compass on, on, on finding true North, which is their own data. Exactly. Yeah. Data and creates that neutral ground where you can kind yeah. of assess something without having too many emotional feelings about it. And we think we know what we know is right, but you have to step mm -hmm. out of that. And yeah. it sounds like, do you come, so you come along and kind of give them that space to take a step back and look what's going on. Yeah. And because and, and, it is right. It's, it's, it's first, first it's, it's really taking a time out, right? Um, you ask employers, I mean, during the pandemic and before the pandemic, everybody had their excuses why they couldn't find talent, right. Or why talent were leaving. Right. And that's, that, that's that's awesome in and of itself, but that shows you how much opinions that there are, right? And, and combating an opinion tastefully in this world, you can't be challenging. It, you, you can't challenge them and say, that's the absolute worst idea I've ever heard because they're going to show you their door, the door. They're going to say, hey, we, we spent two years on this project. I know it, it doesn't look like it worked, but we felt like it worked. You're talking about something very emotional. And that's really where the data comes in. It's like, hey, I don't want to be emotional. I, I have things that I think that work, but maybe I'm wrong at the end of the day when I actually look at the data, but we have to form a hypothesis to know where we want to start. Right. And that's like uh, you and I were chatting on the, the culture of choice or the, the employer of choice. Right. If that's something, if that's the guiding star or guiding principle for the business. Right. And now what we ask, what are, what are your 2022 business plans? We want to be an employer of choice. Our intention has now changed that it, our attention to details that de details we probably previously missed 
are now are now kind of evolving in and of itself. So when we change our intention, it drives our attention. And that's what I think you're seeing a lot of employers doing now is that they focused on how do we get people and they saw compensation as probably the quickest and easiest way to draw people in, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but then they start to realize that compensation, you draw people in, it's not why they stay in most cases, right? So now what are we going to do to evolve, right? We talk about the evolution of these well-being. Now we're talking about mental, physical, emotional, financial, career well-being. I mean, it's work has found our not a blend it's not it's not really a balance anymore it's more of a blend right <laughs> and we all joke but I fought really hard Danielle to keep them separate I don't know about you but I felt yeah. felt thought really hard and now it's just you can't <laughs> <laughs> I hear you <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so kind of break down a little bit obviously every business every company is different and so what that looks like you're expressing that you are kind of someone that is really good at listening and ask good questions and you joked about how your science degree comes into play it I can see it clearly how you are able to use that <laughs> so that's awesome what are the three things you really see as a common theme to create that culture of choice a couple of things right I would say the companies that are doing it right there are no silos. Um, and I say that in finance has a relationship with HR, HR has a relationship with finance, operations, middle management. That's a company that is going to be more in tune with what their frontline employees think about them as an employer, as well as their senior leadership and key stakeholders, mm -hmm. right? They have more influence. Companies that are doing it the adverse way, they have multi-levels, right? And, and, and purposeful levels, right? Because, hey, don't come to me with your problems. That's why we have Sally there. You go to Sally with those types of problems. I don't want to hear them, right? Those are the environments that are, are not created uh, equal when it comes to understanding human capital. I would say the, the HR uh, organizations and, and business partners, as we're starting to see, we're, I mean, we're throwing different names at HR practitioner, chief people officer, chief, chief of culture, like we're, whatever you want to call it, right? The people people, right? That understand how people influence the business and in, influence the outcomes or desired outcomes that a business is looking for. That to me is HR, right? And I can effectively translate and communicate that to any business unit and tell them why that's applicable to them and how that is going to help enable their success. That to me is HR. And then third and final are the HR organizations that are putting themselves in the talent management category firmly, understanding that we're buying, renting, growing, and botting talent today. What processes can we potentially evaluate? Where can we leverage technology? Because Danielle, you and I know the generation behind us is not going to do a job just because it's a job required by that company, because they fail to invest in the technology that would eliminate that need of that particular role. People don't want to do administrative work. They don't want to take one thing and put it in one area. They want to start using what's in their head, right, and get creative and innovative and I think when HR is firmly in that talent category, it gets them into process, it gets them into the technology, it gets them into the people, and really gets them in a, 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 a part of their human capital and understanding where and when and how to upskill and reskill as we move along as a business as well. That's excellent. I actually was just talking to someone last week and they were sharing that, that they had a job that they thought in 10 years, this would be done by machines. Oh. And it just oh, the meaning, yeah. like he was, it was like, 
it felt so pointless to work here anymore. And it was just, it is a really interesting fact. I don't think we always think about. So it is really cool. That was, you want to hear a data point that scared me. Well, two, one is 47% of the jobs as we know them are gone in nine years. So like that scared the shit out of me. I said nine years, 47% of that means I can go to my neighbors and like one out of, so what, what does that mean? Right. Is then you keep working backwards. Well, what does that mean? That means that you need an HR department that is so in tune with the business, with the CEO and executive leadership to understand where the business is going and what skills are associated are going to be needed in order to go where that business needs to be. So that's really why the current model of HR and their function with business will not work. People will spin tires. They'll spend countless amounts of cash, or I call it cash burning exercises, right? Sign on bonuses. I see signs on the highway now. I see all this stuff. We know that all that is, is just putting duct tape or super glue over the real problems. And the problem is that they haven't created a safe environment for their employees that they feel comfortable and want to stay and be a part of, right? That's the real problem. So how do we show that? And how do we get people to recognize that is through data asking people and listening to your point earlier, being a good listener is vitally important. It it is. is, And it's like the most unnatural skill ever. You know, it's a muscle. You just have to work it out. It will come. Yeah. Yeah. You naturally want to talk about Hence the podcast. Why are podcasts great? Normally people like talking about themselves. (laughs) I know. I know. And no one interrupts us. You can have like 20 minutes of people's attention. Yeah. Wait, you actually want to hear what I have to say? This is different. Yeah. I know. 100% retention is amazing. Yes. And then you also were talking about growth of talent. And I think that is a really important fact too. And you probably see this all the time. If someone is going to a job and there's no proof that there's going to be growth and that they're going to invest in that growth, it's it's a hard sell there. It is. And I think a lot of people know the words to say, right, Danielle? Like people aren't dumb in interviews. They knew that we, us generation, our generation wanted promotional opportunities, right? We, so what's the first thing that I said? Oh, Sally here has been here for two years. She, she just got a promotion and they'll use these tokens, right? As like people that have done it before, like it happens. But then when you really get in those seats in those positions, it's like, wait a minute, there is not that much movement. And they want to, they tell us, more what we want to hear, right? Than what, and it's the same thing that they're creating the cultures internally is they're only telling leadership what they want to hear, right? Um, so it's kind of funny the way that uh, things happen um, in that, and that, like I said, that correlation that it happens on one side, it's okay, but all of a sudden it's not okay if the other people do it. Yeah, but it happens all the time, which is just so funny. So it's, 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 it's been a roller coaster, a a, a journey. Um, And through conversations, you get to start to understand, well, how do they have that? Or why do they have that opinion? And then you can start to talk at their level and understand what's important to them and what motivates them. And really, that's where you start to see the stark differences between employer and and employers and and great employers and poor performers. Um, You really get to see how tuned, how connected they are with their employees are they creating that safe environment and are they backing, are they actually walking what they're talking um, or is it more just talk? Because that's, if it's just talk, go to Glassdoor and I promise your reviews are probably going to associate, probably show you that you're, you can't keep saying that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Yes. It comes out eventually. <laughs> yeah, People are all reading that stuff. So. <laughs> and so, okay. As we kind of wrap up a bit, 
what would you see as the future? Like where, how, where are we heading with all this? Tons. So back to your the, the previous question that you had with L&D, learning and development is going to be front and center of talent management. Uh, I call it like active talent management, right? We can't wait 18, 24 months to have conversations with employees to give them a good, bad, or indifferent score, right? Performance. We come from a world of immediacy. So now I want to know on each project that I do a good job, right? Or did I do a great job this week or this month even, right? I don't want you to come to a point one time a year that I can't remember what I had for lunch last week, but you're supposed to remember my whole year and grade me on that, right? And that, and that compensation, that bonus is loosely tied to some number that nobody knows. And it, it's some guy in the back and with some 1980s calculator computing what my bonus is going to be. People don't want that, right? What people want right now is transparency. They like transparency. They don't like being told what to do. They don't like hard lines in the sand. So if we're actively listening, it's to start to use data and science to our advantage instead of our disadvantage, right? Um, The one stat that I was going to share earlier with you, I know I use it all the time, 22% of businesses use data and science, but holy shit, can we really listen to that number? That means we're telling the organizational psychologists, the industrial psychologists, all these people, hey, keep going to school. It doesn't mean you know anything that I don't know, right? That's really what it's saying. Um, So let's start to tap into the science community because we know how challenging it is to come out with some of these journals and these scientific studies and start to really use them to our advantage and listen, right? And maybe we don't like the story that it's sharing, that we have to treat our employees good. We have to pay them fairly. We have to be flexible. We have to offer them a stable environment. But that's the same answer that you're going to get back from your employees as to why they're leaving, why they're choosing another organization over you, um, why that compensation was nice, but they still chose to go somewhere else because they're making more compensation or it's not at all about compensation, right? That's really the future of work is that landing and that massive reskilling and upskilling and this is the challenge I see, Danielle, right? Is that going to fall on the employers to upskill and reskill the general population because the business community world is going to evolve at such a rapid rate? Or is it the onus going to be on the individual, right? And, and is the individual going to have to spend for courses three Cornell on their own to get the skills necessary? Like, where are we going? That's going to be interesting on whose shoulders that falls on. I'd be willing to bet the employers that understand are in tune with that and offer their culture as like a, a continuously learning environment and four day work weeks. Hey, you might have a long, long line of people waiting for work for you outside the door, but that's yeah. just me. But that's kind of, that's what, that's what I see as moving forward. All right. So let's say someone's listening to you and they want to work with you and talk to you. How does that work for you? How how would they go through that? I know it's scary. I know change is scary, right? Uh, so first I say, good for you for reaching out, right? Getting over that first hurdle. And I say uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way, kind of where I, sh- I share my thoughts, opinions, but also scientific studies and data and things that are uh, geared towards helping people. So feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or, or I can share my email um, with you. But um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to to connect with me quickly, but uh, would love just to have a conversation and see how we can start putting that data to work for you. That is excellent. That is awesome. Yes. All right. And so before I release you, what are you learning right now? So what what is what has been your jam? Ooh, right now I just opened up a new book. It's called Agile Workforce Planning. 
cool full circle is I'll be interviewing the author in a couple months, actually. So that's that's cool full circle. And then I'm still learning R. So my buddy uh, Abbas is helping teaching me R, which is uh, statisticians, uh, uh, beauty, uh, beautiful dream there. It's puts Excel on, on steroids pretty much. So I'm trying to inundate myself and learn a new language, um, which hopefully, obviously we know data and literacy and things like that is not going anywhere in the future. So just trying to give myself a little job security, Daniel. <laughs> that is, that is awesome. Yes. More power to it. Cause you're, you're the brains to do it and not me. So <laughs> please do carry on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank yes. you for this. Yeah, thank you. It was so awesome to know you more. And I am excited for all the work you're going to just continue to do and the businesses you're just going to bless with what you can do. So thank you. Let's let's hope so. I hope I, I hope I can improve the lives of employees while driving results for business. So that's that's really the dream. So you can do that those win-win scenarios. I just hope to find more of those. So I, being an employee myself, I, I've been on that side and uh, it's really important to me that they can go home, take care of their friends and family and all of that kind of stuff. So how can I make those two things work? Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah. I would like to personally thank Sally for being such a great example in today's episode. We could have done it without you. And I just love all that Kevin is all about and how he is really pushing forth this refreshing perspective of HR and really how it could transform businesses and how they run in such a positive way. So if you want to find him, he is on LinkedIn and you will hear all about what he's doing. He's very active, has wonderful content that he shares, and you can just be part of the movement. Yeah. So go find him on LinkedIn. His contact information is right in the show notes. And with that said, I am just your friendly social media and podcast manager who believes in making your business visible, relevant, and also approachable on your social media platforms. So if you have any questions and you would like to really unpack how you could use a podcast, blog, or what have you to help your business, I am here for you. I'm also in the show notes as well. All right, so that's a wrap. I will see you on the next discovery call.